All right, all right. Well, wherever you're watching today, let's have some physically distant high fives, some, some fist bumps. Let everybody know that you love them wherever you're watching today. We are so thankful once again. Hey, I say it all the time, for real, for real. It is such an honor to get to gather together. I don't know about you, but it takes a minute to be out of the habit of getting together to realize how important it is to getting to gather together in the presence of the Lord. And we are so thankful that we are getting to be here today. And it's such an honor and a privilege. Hey, maybe you're watching from around the world right now or you're watching throughout the week. Thank you for hanging out with us. It's a privilege to spend time with you, but I want to let you know, as I let everyone know earlier, we got a bunch of smiling faces here that will be happy to see you and will be happy for each and every one of us to get to hang together. So we would love to see you soon, uh, and we would love to just welcome you and come in here. So I'm playing with this right now. I got a little cord going a little crazy, so hang in here with me, but I'm so thankful for each and every person here. So we're going to continue in our series called Supernatural, and we're going to be answering the question, are there angels and demons? So, to do that, we say that all of the time. We say this all the time here at the Vine Church. You're only a guest one time. After that, we consider you family. So, welcome to the crazy family, wherever you are. And don't worry, the crazy spot's occupied by me. So, there is no pressure. You just be you wherever you are. And family gets to know each other. So, the question I have for you today, so you can let your neighbor know, or if you're watching online, if you would like to comment and let us know, you may see some folks commenting with you as well. The first question I have for us to get to know each other a little bit better today is this. What is your favorite angel movie? I mean, you can answer anything on the Hallmark Channel, right? But like, what is your favorite angel movie? Don't say City of Angels, all the rom-coms. Wherever you are, that gives your age away if that's it. What's your favorite angel movie? Ghost, don't say ghost. I'm not counting that one. Don't do that one. Whatever that is. What's your favorite angel movie? I would love to know. Maybe it's Michael. I got to share that with some of our folks uh, during the Bible reading plan. You ever seen that? John Travolta. Somebody's going to be watching Netflix today and seeing some funny movies. But if I could say I had a favorite angel movie, believe it or not, if you know me, Christmas Vacation is like a standard in my family at Christmas. All right, like we got the Christmas story, you got all Elf, obviously, but like Christmas Vacation is the standard. But really what comes after that for me is The Preacher's Wife. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. If you haven't, bless yourself today because it has some amazing worship music in it, uh, old school worship, if you know what it is, but Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington are in it. So come on, you got to be happy with that. So uh, that is one of my favorite angel movies. Judging by the pin drop in the crowd, some, some folks just added some things to their watch list, and I'm excited about that. Go check that out. You'll be blessed if you've never seen it. It's an awesome movie, and you'll love it. It's awesome. And believe it or not, it really describes a lot of things that happen at church. And you know, if I'm asking you about your favorite angel movie, what's coming next? What's your favorite scary movie? Uh-oh, Ernest Saves Christmas? I'm just kidding. Whatever that, what's your favorite scary movie? Now, if you know me, I don't, I, I'm not a big into the, the scary movie thing. I mean, I grew up in the, uh, obviously, the Saw generation, if you will, some crazy, creepy stuff in a way. Uh, but it's all right. If you can handle that, that's awesome. What's your favorite, Scream, that was mine, and then it got made fun of all the way <laughs> through. When I grew, there's some crazy, scary movies, but believe it or not, one of mine that always, 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 uh, is there is either Friday the 13th or Halloween. I mean like seriously, how many times do you have to run into the barn? He's in there like stop like let's go down to the basement where no lights are working that there's a light flickering and I hear shuffling There must not be anything down there, but a possum right like seriously or let's go swim in the lake because he's not in there, is he? Like, what's your favorite scary movie? Because the thing is, the reason this is important with us is I believe a lot of times when we see these things, it forms our opinion and it forms our thoughts on when it comes to angels and demons. And we don't honestly see how they interact with us daily. And that's kind of what we've walked through in this series called Supernatural. And so if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in a couple of different locations, but I'd love for you to camp out in two. If you want to get your space and place ready, Get to Matthew 4 and Revelation 12. That's where we're going to start and end. Now, we've got some, some groundwork before there and a little bit in between, but Matthew 4 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. 
and then we're going to be in Revelation 12. But throughout this series in Supernatural, as you get to Matthew 4, I want to remind you, hey, if you don't have a Bible, we have one free for the asking. We would love to give you. Our Vine Production team's incredible. They're going to make sure it's on the screen. But also, you can follow along with us on the Bible app. It's a privilege to partner with them every week. So go ahead if you want to get there and get to Matthew 4. But I just want to remind us where we've been starting every week in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 12 says this, Finally, Now, our first week, we started that off. We said Paul is telling us why is he saying finally is so that we have the proper biblical view of what is happening. And what is that? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Just a reminder really quick, what Paul is telling us is finally understand that our struggle isn't with each other. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. We can't be at odds with each other because we're all made in the image of God. We can't be mad at our brother. We're not supposed to be in constant struggle or chaos with our brother. Believe it or not, our struggle is with our own sinful desire and the devil's schemes. And when we have the proper biblical view and we understand that, then all of a sudden love God and love others or love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself all of a sudden is lived out so much more inside of us and we can be a light in this dark dark world all the way through so as we see this i want us to see how this interacts with us as we're fighting against our sinful desires and the devil's schemes and see how angels and demons interacted with jesus and how they interact with us today so if you've grown up in church this is a familiar story but if you didn't it's okay you're going to see angels and demons playing out here in the in a story in matthew 4 when it comes to Jesus. So if you've got your Bible, once again, I told you to get there at the beginning. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's going to be on the screen. Matthew 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Just really quickly, if you want to know what God wants for you and his will for your life, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday night. God's will for your life is to be full of the Spirit. Ephesians 5 talks about it. Be walking in the Spirit. Be full of the Spirit. Be fully surrendered to the Spirit. Whatever the Spirit is telling you to do, the Holy Spirit, I want to make that clear, the Holy Spirit, God would love for you to do that. So Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. How many of us would be happy about being led into the wilderness? Probably not. But Jesus, Jesus was led in there. And why was he led in there? To be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Most obvious statement in the Bible. If any of us, how many of us could could go 40 days and 40 nights without eating? How many of us could go four days without eating? Like, I mean, seriously, like, how many of us could go 40 minutes sometimes without eating? Like, I was laughing a little bit earlier, like some of our Vine kids, I said, oh, like, oh, to have metabolism again. That just, you know, just to have that where you could run around and have all of that energy. I love it. I love it. You know, just something like that. Like, so many of us, we can't go 40 days and 40 nights yet. Jesus did so he could understand how we feel as humans, so that he could be fully God and fully man and live that out and understand what it means to be tempted. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I said earlier about your scary movie, the obvious statement, don't go in the basement and don't swim in the, in the lake, right? Whenever you're in this moment. But here's the thing. Satan was there in the beginning with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And what's crazy is Satan tries to deceive Jesus, as he will so many times with us, and he says, hey, if you are the Son of God, then show that you are. He already knows he's the Son of God. It's an obvious answer. Like, Satan was there. It's not a question to Satan who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is the Son of God, and yet he tries to deceive him with God's own word, just like he did with Eve and Adam in the garden. And I'm telling you, he's going to do that with each and every one of us. And so Jesus comes back and says, hey, hey, don't throw that at me. I want you to know I'm not going to be deceived. Because I know the word of God. For each and every one of us, that's a challenge to us to know the very word of God. To know that even if we're hungry, whatever we're hungering and thirsting for, it should be for righteousness, not for food. It should be for what the Spirit is calling us to. Not anything else this world can offer. 
Satan goes on to do it this way. Then he goes on in verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, obvious question again, he already knows that he's the son of God. He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command angels concerning you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Not only does Satan try to deceive, he tries to destroy Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, he'll try to do the same thing for each and every one of us. He will try to destroy the purpose God has for our life, the reason that we're here. He will try to do everything he can to destroy us from being exactly who God created us to be because here's the thing he knows. If we step in that, he knows that he's not even gonna be able to stand a chance with anyone that comes in our path. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So not only does Satan try to deceive and destroy, he tries to divide Jesus from the, very Lord, from the Lord himself, from God the Father and the Holy Spirit himself by saying, hey, just worship me. Doesn't he do the same with us? Worship personal health. Worship your bank account. Worship that college degree, that expensive receipt that's hanging on the wall. Worship that car in the garage. Worship that status at work. He will do everything he can to divide us from God. So if you're taking notes, I've already given you the first answer is this. Number one, I want you to understand when it comes to Satan and his demons, Satan and his demons deceives, destroys, and divides. Satan and his demons are Satan. That's why it's plural. They're Satan divides, deceives, and destroys. Satan deceives, destroys, and divides. And his demons do the same. And the thing is that we can get caught up is if Satan tempted Jesus, why in the world would we think he wouldn't tempt us if we have Christ in us? Do we think that we're that high and mighty that Satan wouldn't come after us? See, the reason Jesus went through that is so that he could fully understand what it's like to have this crazy thing called human flesh, to be wrapped in this thing called human flesh and understood what it meant to go uh, in this temptation so that he could help us walk through it in the spirit. Yet so many times, here's the thing that we have to understand about Satan that we confuse. Satan is not God. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. So because he can't, and because he can't push that needle, can't push that, has anybody got any, any siblings here, like younger siblings? I was the youngest. They know how to push that button, right? Like they know how to do it just right. Like they know the exact high pitch of the squeal to get everyone going crazy, right? Like that's what Satan does when he's there. But if he can't do it, he'll dispatch his demons to go out. Now, when I say demons, what can be crazy is what we may not know, we infer this from Revelation, uh, I think it's Revelation 12. We talked about this a little bit uh, this week uh, in, our, in our, our Bible reading plan. And if, and if I got, the, got it wrong, hang in there with me. It might be Revelation 7, so I'm sorry about that. You can fact check me on that, whatever that looks like. Uh, but a third of the angels fell with Satan when he was kicked out of heaven. It says a third of the stars were taken down when the dragon uh, was defeated in, in Revelation. And so we can infer from there that a third of the fallen angels are with Satan and those are his demons. Now, I brought up Ghost earlier. You know about the angels and demons, right? Have you ever seen that movie? Anyway, don't get any clay pots. That's for married couples only. Y'all figure that out later. But like all the way through with Satan and his demons, what he'll do is because he can't be everywhere, unlike God at once, he'll dispatch his demons out there to torture, to deceive to destroy and divide you from all that God has called you to do. But you got to remember when he does that, there's a limit to his power. Now, you know where I'm going with this. We see this in the Old Testament. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Job, and Satan's ready to go, right? He's asking God, hey, hey, is there, you don't have anybody down there that will stand up for you. You don't have anybody down there that will take a stand for you and faith. You don't have anybody down there that says you are who you say you are, and there's no way that they would. So God, what, what's the point in this? You already know that, that, that there's no one down there that's worthy of this, and all of a sudden God says, what about my dude Job down here? Spelled like job. But what about my dude Job down here? Why don't you see that? And, the, and you see that God gave Satan power, but not enough to destroy Job. And we see that everything in Job's life was taken away 
but he was blessed a double portion in the second half than his first, than the first part of his life before the temptation happened. So we've got to understand that even though Satan is out for our total destruction, he just can't do it. He doesn't have the power to do it. Yet so many times don't we do that? You ever been with somebody that's that way? I will tell you like, uh, I've shared this a little bit on Thursdays. We're going through learning about the Holy Spirit. Someone who has been in the presence of like demonic forces is not apt to talk about it all the time. I'm just going to be real with you. They're just not. Because the presence is just, ugh. It doesn't come close to God. It doesn't come close to God and being in his presence and being knocked down on your knees in the presence of God. But when you're in the presence of such evil, man, it will make you churn. Now, some people went back there. They went to The Shining or The Exorcist. That was their movie. They thought about that right there, right? Like, when you're really in the presence of evil, you don't talk about it. You just won't. When you're in the presence of God, you're not afraid to share it because there's life and hope in it. But you see, Satan, what he'll do is he'll try to make you think he's got all the power of God. Because you see, that's what got him kicked out of heaven. Remember, he wanted to be at one with God. And so he thought pridefully enough, hey, I've got my musical instruments. I've got my beauty. I'm on top of the world. I can take God out. And instead, he brought a third of the angels down with him. But he didn't destroy them. And he can't destroy us. The only thing that will destroy us is our own choice not to be living in the spirit. So how great would it be, you guys? This is what, as I was reading and praying over this, something that Jesus just hit me with is, how awesome would it be if there were so many children of God that Satan's calendar was so full, he didn't have time to bother all of them enough that his arrows ran out really quick? Like he didn't even have enough demons dispatched to come out to try to deceive, destroy, and divide. What if we were so on fire to get the world to know Christ, to know the hope of Christ, that there were so many children of God that nobody even the devil didn't even stand a chance he just had to go after somebody because he didn't even stand a chance what if we were so on fire for that that we made the devil's calendar be full like all of his notifications were going so crazy like he couldn't find enough jobs in this world to even go after to even try to do that what if we were on that mission but church it starts with us We've got to go out to the highways, the hollers, the hills, the country roads. We've got to go out. We've got to invite. We've got to bring people to the only hope that Jesus can bring, even in the midst of Satan doing his work against us. And so for us, we've got to understand, if we know Satan can't be omnipresent, we know that his power is limited, we've got to understand when is he going to come after us. Because so many times that's part of the preparation, right? Like, like, hey, it finally football's back. So people are excited about football. So I'm going to use a sports term, but it's okay. You'll understand if you don't play football or you don't understand. We want to know when Satan's going to bring the blitz. Like, we want to know what we got to do. And, and Paul tells us just put on the full armor of God. Put it on always. Because the thing is, Satan's going to come at it when our grace is low. When we're tired, when we're frustrated, when our grace is low, I don't have toddlers, but I'm sure as parents, your grace gets pretty low. You're just like, if that child don't go to sleep here in just a minute, I'm telling you right now, there ain't enough Benadryl in the world. Like, I'm telling you, I'm sure, I'm sure that's where you can be. When your grace is low, Satan's going to come after you. Hey, when, when your hope is dim, when it feels like everything is crashing around you, when it feels like all hope is lost. Anybody been there? Anybody there right now where it feels like all hope? Like 2020 almost feels like one of those years where I think Jesus is showing us what he's setting up because Satan thinks he's got just a little inkling of help to try to make our hope be lost. When, when our hope seems like it's so dim, when, when, our, when our faith is weak, when we're not going to God first, but instead of relying on everything else, that's what God is stripping away in this season to show us, hey, you're building idols up that Satan can definitely knock down, but I, God, cannot be destroyed by Satan. He cannot be defeated by that. I wonder if in this moment we would see that when our grace is low, our faith is weak, our hope is dim, and our love grows cold, that that's Satan's easiest capture. That's why Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. Because that one sheep that's out there, man, hope is low. Hope is low. That, that person that, that hasn't got to be here with us and gather with us in a long time, they're separated. They need to be here. I don't know if that's you watching. I don't know where you are. If you are part of a local church, be there. Be there. Too much is at stake. Be there. There's room here. If your church isn't meeting, we got room here. We'd love to have you here until your church does meet. That's awesome. The local church is around the world. Be there. Because when we're divided from the pack and isolated, man, our grace is low. 
Man, we're frustrated. Man, our love seems to have grown cold. And holy cannoli, our hope is real dim. And his light shines too bright in us for us to hide it under a bushel that Satan's tried to build. Because last I checked, Jesus burns those bushes down, don't he? Whenever he comes to his people, he shows up and his presence is known. So for each and every one of us, I want us to see that we can stand firm. So we know that it can be when we're separated, but also I just want to tell you this. How else can Satan tempt us? By not tempting us at all. By being so comfortable and so complacent that we aren't even making a difference for the kingdom. So happy with where we are right now that God is calling us to take a step of faith and we refuse to do it because the bank account's reloaded, <laughs> the car's perfect, the address and the house I want to be at is perfect, everything seems to be going right. But I don't know about you, in my life, how Satan moves is when it seems everything's tilting, like just going right, is when, whoo. <laughs> and then God shows up and does what only he can do. And so I want you to see today that Satan will always go after us. And so as I was getting ready for this, I said, how great would it be for all of us to be there? But it made me think of, 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 of having the hope as an anchor for our soul. We're going to sing that in just a little bit down the line here at the end of the service. But it made me think about that and, and how our hope is in Christ Jesus. And I thought about a ship. I thought about a ship on a sea. And, and I get to have an awesome reading plan. I'm reading with some folks right now. It talks about being in the boat in the middle of the, of the sea, in the middle of the ocean, and, and realizing that Jesus is going to get us from one side to the other. But the thing about the boat that you have to understand is if you're at war and you're at battle, the worst place for a boat to be is in calm waters. It's the most vulnerable there. You see, the, the winds of the storm and the waves of the storm are what helps guide the boat forward and this rudder pushes it forward and the worst place to be at time is in calm waters. And so when we're just in calm waters all the time and we're trying to build comfort in our life, I just want to be as real as I can be with you. We're not walking fully in the Spirit. Because Jesus didn't die for us to be comfortable. He sure didn't get comfortable being naked, dying for our sins on that cross. There's a blood-stained cross that says comfortable wasn't what he came for. He came to bring hope. And that's what we get to do by meeting the vulnerable right where they are and pointing them to Jesus and him alone. And so for each and every one of us, Let's be sure to put on that full armor and understand that Satan and his demons may decide and, and, and try to deceive, destroy, and divide for each and every one of us. But he'll never win. He'll never win. Let's see what Jesus does in verse 11 here in Matthew 4. And it says, after Jesus said, depart from me, Satan, the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. See, at the word of God, Satan must flee. Remember when Jesus in Luke 10 sends out the 72? He sends them out and, they, and, and, and he goes out and he says, you can heal the sick and cast out demons in my name. And they come back glorifying, getting so excited. They're so happy when they come back to him. And they're like, even the demons listen to you. And he says, rejoice not that the demons fall down and the demons flee in my name, but instead that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that you are gonna be with me in eternity. More than that. And so even though we know that at the word of God, Satan will flee, at the same time, we got to understand our rejoicing and our hope is found in the Lord. So, so here we go. We know what demons do. Now we see angels a couple times in here, but Satan tried to tempt with angels. So let's learn a little bit about angels in a little bit of time. I won't take forever. Like I said last week, I know we believe that the word of God is powerful. I also believe in lunch for all of us. So we're going to get there. So number two, if you're taking notes, angels minister and protect. So Satan and his demons deceives, destroys, and divides. Angels minister and protect. Angels minister and protect. A lot of us are walking through a Bible reading plan right now as a church, which is great, where we're learning a little bit about angels. Because I don't know about you, I just gave the preacher's wife, as an example, at Christmas. I heard about the heavenly host at Christmas. That's it. How many of us are in that boat? That's about the only time I heard about angels. Every now and again, I, I saw angel in the text, but I never had anything explained about it. So today, let's learn about angels and how they minister and protect, because that's what they did to Jesus. They were there with him, and they ministered and protected him. So all throughout the Bible, we see that with angels. So God created angels to exalt him in the beginning, in the present, and forever. 
You may think that's why you're created, but no. God created us to love him because he first loved us. Not to exalt him. That's the angel's job. That's what they do. They exalt him. We get to join them in Revelation. If you look, anytime the angels are in the presence of the throne of God, they are exalting him, and we come as the saints who have passed, and we get to join them in exalting God. They have free will like we do, but God gives them charge over each and every one of us. John writes in Revelation 5 this when it comes to angels. Now, we don't know how many angels they are. We know a third. We, we infer a third in Revelation fall. Uh, Revelation 5, John says when he sees the throne of God, he sees 10,000 times 10,000 angels there before the throne of God. So if you do want to do quick math, that's a one with eight zeros. A hundred million angels he sees. That's some good eyesight, ain't it? He's got a hundred million angels. Imagine that. A hundred million angels God dispatches at the ready ready to minister and protect us. We see angels throughout the, let, let's just look in Jesus's life. Remember, the angels come and, and, and they go to Mary and they go to Joseph. They say, stick together. We'll talk about that angel here in a minute. They announce the birth of Jesus, the heavenly host. They minister to Jesus when he's tempted by Satan here. They also minister to him in the garden, if you remember, when he was praying and overcome with anxiety so much before he was arrested that his hands was sweating like blood. The angels ministered to him. We see the, the angels there at the empty tomb. They declare to the women who come to give him spices, the angels are there. So the angels are in the Bible more than once. We just may not realize the importance of each and every one of them there. And so I want you to know so many times we often can't even perceive angels. I think it's the writer of Hebrews that says, says that, and I could be there. The writer of Hebrews talks about, hey, we'll entertain angels and may not even know it, right? Maybe some of you know, and, and I can share it with you. Uh, I, have some, I have a guardian angel story. It's really crazy. I have a, a couple of times. I didn't even realize it at the time. I can't explain it where this person came from, but they showed up. I never saw them again until I saw them again. And then I recognized, and I didn't see them again. And we could talk about the crazy trials that I was in my life when that happened, but I don't say that to scare you. I say that to say that I know it's real. God sends his angels for us. And so many times we don't even realize it. And so, we know angels minister and protect. Let's talk about three, well, four angels that are mentioned in the Bible, okay? We know about three, eh, really four, angels that are mentioned in the Bible. The first one is Satan. Satan is not God. He is a fallen angel. I, I, I shared with he was the chief musician. He had all of these things. He was beautiful, right? God said that he was beautiful. You ever read about Satan's fall? Jesus talks about Satan falling from heaven and seeing him falling like lightning from heaven when God threw him out. Uh, and so Satan was the chief musician. So he's an angel mentioned in the Bible. The other one that we see in Revelation, uh, Revelation 9 is Apollon. Uh, or also is written Abaddon, depending on what version of the Bible you read it. Apollon or Abaddon is the leader of the demonic forces at the end times. So we got Satan and Apollon or slash Abaddon, but we also have somebody that's the most familiar. If I said it, you probably know. The most familiar angel we know is probably Gabriel, right? Gabriel. Gabriel is like, is like God's, it's his press secretary. Gabriel is like a chief messenger. Anytime we see Gabriel in the Bible, he is giving an announcement of God. And most of the time we see it in birth. Gabriel was who came, came to Rachel. Gabriel was who came to Hannah. Gabriel was who came to Mary when she was pregnant. And Gabriel also went to Joseph and said, stay with Mary because this child is of God. Gabriel was there with Sarah all the way through. Gabriel is the angel that gives God's announcement, but the other angel we see that we may know even more is the archangel Michael. Michael. So Michael's in the Bible, and usually when he's there, it's when there's a battle to be fought. So whenever you read the Old Testament or you read what's going on now, you, hopefully I pray that the Spirit will open your eyes to see those things, to see that there are actually angels there all the way through ministering and protecting God's people and walking with God's people. Now, God is our all, ultimate protection, but he puts them there with us to help us. Really funny story when it comes to the guardian angel. I won't go too deep into it, but I got to share it with you. So I had a flat tire. I was driving home from church. I had a flat tire, okay? At the time, I was living in Greenville and, and, and driving to Spartanburg, okay? Had a flat tire. At the time, we're loading in, loading out, and I have no clue. By God's grace, I got from Spartanburg to Greenville, and I roll up to my apartment that I was living in at the time, and this person came out of nowhere. And, and midway through, I got it. We started talking about the Word of God. Never met this person before. 
uh, never had seen them before. Really, I, I, I realized I had after the fact. And we're changing my tire. And if you know anything about me, even changing the tire is a challenge. Uh, so we were changing the tire. And right away when we're doing that, we had set the flat tire. So nobody ever, I, I say someone probably taught it to me. I was just too thick-headed to listen. How you set your tire down, your flat tire, in case the jack falls. Sure enough, uh, I had taken the spare, had taken that off, had the spare off. I had laid the tire down, jacked, the, the, jacked my Jeep up, and all of a sudden, we're getting ready to throw the other tire on, and whoop, and I'm talking like crazy. I'm talking about I would have died if I would have been under there doing it myself. He and I laughed. We put the tire on. I know this sounds nuts, and it sounds crazy, but it's okay. Uh, didn't see him again. He, could, he wouldn't tell me where he lived. He just said he lived around there. He just showed up. Like, I was literally taking my tire off, and I hear footsteps, and there's this person. And if it was me under that car, whoop, I mean, I'd have lost some pounds, but I'd have probably been half the person that I really was at the time. I'm just telling you, God sends his angels to minister and protect us, because I needed to hear that in that moment. Because we talked about God the whole time. We talked about the Word of God the whole time. We walked through sanctification, justification. We went through all of that, and it was so awesome. And I looked and looked for him and could never find him again. I'm telling you, it was God's angel. So I want you to see that in this, in this moment, the thing about that Jesus is showing us, though, is that after the angels ministered to him, he wasn't just like, whew, survived that temptation. Let's go get in the recliner turn on the football game and enjoy the rest of the day, or if you really want to take a nap, turn some NASCAR on, because it's not on right now. I think they raced last night, but turn something on, turn some golf on, the U.S. Open's on, right? He didn't quit. He just prepared for the next obedient step God was taking him to, and that's what we're called to do, church. After Satan tempts us, I want you to know he may walk away, but he's coming back. He's coming back because he, he, he's looking to try to divide you from God, destroy the purpose he has for your life, and deceive you to do something good instead of doing the thing that God created you to do. You see, we can see it this way in Luke 4.13, 4, the same story. Luke tells it this way. The good old Dr. Luke says this. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune, an opportune time. It wasn't like so many times reading this, we think, okay, well, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and that was it. He didn't have any more temptation in his ministry. But I look all the way through. Remember when they were trying to make him king and he withdrew? Remember so many times when the crowds were pressing upon him and he's healing and the people were trying to do everything? Remember when he walks in and they scream Hosanna and they lay the palm branches down and they're ready to make it? Do you think that that wasn't Satan tempting him? See, Satan will always wait for an opportune time. Just because we walk through another one doesn't mean Satan's going to stop coming at us, because he will. Satan waits for an opportune time. So just because we got ministered to by the angels doesn't mean that it's over. Satan likes to play possum, if you will. He loves playing possum. He loves to make you think he's down. And all of a sudden, if you've ever dealt, I, okay, so I'll, I'll make this clear. Wherever you're watching around the world, we're in the southern part of the United States. So when I say possum, you may call it something different. I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is you call them. But we have possums that love to get in garages or just get into spaces. And uh, they're like a breed between a cat, a rat, and an armadillo. I don't know what else to say, but there's something like that. But Satan likes to be that. And what they'll do so many times is how they get out of a situation where they seem overwhelmed or they seem defeated is they'll play dead. Till you walk up on it and you just see teeth. Like you just see teeth. You smell and you see teeth. And so I want you to know that Satan waits for an opportune time to try to spring a trap. That's why we always, every day, have to walk in the Spirit of God and put on the full armor of God. That's what Paul is talking about. That's why he said, finally, brothers, understand that your battle's not with each other. It's with something else. It's your sinful desire and Satan and his schemes. And just when you think Satan's down, he'll keep trying to press against you. Even though he's already lost the war, it doesn't mean that he'll stop battling. So Satan will wait for an opportune time. You want to know how that happened? Remember Peter, Peter and Jesus is standing there, and, and, and Peter says, hey, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And he says, well done, Peter. You will be the rock upon which I will build my church, the rock of that confession that Jesus is, who he says he is. And then Jesus says, because I am the Son of God and I've come to save the world, I'm going to die. The next thing that Peter does is he openly rebukes him and says, not you, Lord. You can't die. And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. 
we got to understand that Satan will wait at the opportune time. He will come against us so many times. He will get us when we're on the spiritual high, and we think it can't get any higher when we're at the Mount of Transfiguration. But if you remember when that happened, Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. He goes down, and the first thing he encounters is a demon-possessed boy, and he has to drive Satan away. I want you to understand that wherever you are, Satan will wait for an opportune time to keep coming at you. So we must put on the full armor of God always and walk in the Spirit. You see, Jesus kept walking in the Spirit because he knew Satan hadn't won and wasn't going to win. All the way to the cross, all the way to the grave, when all the demons and Satan were like, yes, we finally got him, but they knew better. They knew that there was going to be an empty tomb. And so if they weren't going to go after Jesus, they were going to go after his creation, you and me. Satan will wait for an opportune time. So when I was saying, I wrote this down, and I might have missed something, so just laugh if you want to. It's okay, because you know I love laughing, and that's how God talks to me. So when will Satan come at us? When we have nothing to do, when our schedule is full, when we feel like we're done, when we're in company, when we're all alone, when we're spiritual, when we've already slipped, and we say, well, I'm in this far. I might as well keep going. When we've done everything we can do, Satan will still try to get after us, but where our hope lies will be the thing that gets us through. And if our hope is in Christ and him crucified, Satan don't stand a chance. Does it mean that the trial won't come? It's going to come. And we have to be okay with the storm coming. Because we know that the one who called us out into the deep is going to bring us to the other side. And Satan can't stop it. As a matter of fact, that story, if you remember, when Jesus and the storm comes up, he goes, and when they Christ, they, they cross the other side, the, the, the garrison is standing there, the demon-possessed man, cutting himself in the caves, waiting, and he sees this storm, and Jesus is there in the storm, and the first thing he does, when all the water is calm, is he encounters Satan and the demons. So if you think so many times Satan won't come after you, he absolutely will, but he's not one when you are in Christ. And this is what I want you to know. Even though Satan is waiting for an opportune time, his time is short. Revelation 12, where I told you to get, if you want to get there in the Bible, I want you to see what Satan's defeat will be. Revelation 12, verse 7 through 12, talks about this. Then war broke out in heaven. Look, Michael, the archangel. We just talked about him. Michael, whenever there's a battle, Michael is leading the charge. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. That's Apollon. Apollon, we talked about it. Apollon fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, which leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before God when day and night without ceasing has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you will dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. My friends, Satan's going to come after opportune time, but his time is short. His time is short. But here's the thing that I want you to know. So is ours. Our time on this earth is short too. You see, one day, Revelation talks about it, one day all will confess Jesus as Lord and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At that time in eternity is too late. The confession we make on this side of eternity will be the one that brings us into heaven with Christ forever. And so what I want you to know right now where you are is even though your time is short, maybe you feel like everything's falling apart. Maybe you feel like everything's going great. And it, maybe you're, you're searching. Maybe you're in the time, in this time in 2020, wherever you are, you're trying to figure out, hey, man, these things are getting ripped out. I can't figure out what's going on. And, 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 you, and you can't be filled. You can't be satisfied. You don't know why, why you can't. And, and, and you're searching, but you've never considered, considered Jesus. And I just want to say this. Look to the cross. Have you ever looked to the cross? Have you ever looked to the cross? 
Satan's going to make you think he's powerful. It's kind of like the guy, like, hey, I talked about football, and, and I will say this. I used to love the dude that was like twice my size because I loved planting him and just burying him because he thought he could do it. It was the most fun to me. That's what Satan's going to do. He barks real loud, but he ain't got no bite. You ain't got to fear a big dog. You got to fear the little chihuahua. It'll nip at your heels if you know what I'm saying, right? That's the one you got to worry about biting you. That's what Satan does, but he has no power in Christ's name. And so wherever you are today, have you ever considered the cross? Have you ever considered the cross? Because the only way to be free is to be in Christ Jesus. Satan and his attacks are going to come. But the only way to win the war is to be with a victor. And that victor is Jesus. He says it this way in Revelation 3, verse 19 through 21. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I just want to say in this moment, right now, you may feel your heart beating out of your chest. You maybe feel like something's going on, and you are awakening for the first time to see that Jesus is who he says he is. And we want to walk with you through that. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, we're going to pray as a family out loud for the benefit of those coming to the faith for the first time. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's the faith. It's the faith that Jesus says he is. It's the faith that nothing in this world can satisfy. It's the faith that Jesus came, lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, died the death, paying the penalty for our sins, on the cross, but loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again so that we could have life on the third day and be exactly who he created us to be this side of eternity. Because you see, all of us are born on the wrong side. <laughs> We're all born on Satan's side. We're all born into sin and we all need a savior. And I want you to know today that Jesus, he is that savior. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived a sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve on the cross for my sins. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you and you can say for the first time that you have given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to respond by raising your hand. One, two, three. If that's you and you're in the house, would you raise your hand today? If you're watching online, you're gonna see a hand that's raised. If you're listening, through, would you click that for me? If you're listening throughout the week, if you would reach out to us at prayer at divine.tv or 864-580-6698, we would love to celebrate with each and every one of you. And for everyone else, if you can look up now, thank you for each and every person that responded. If you did respond, I want to let you know another thing about the angels. They're rejoicing. A hundred million plus strong are rejoicing that you finally come home. For the rest of us, maybe today was just a reminder of where our victory and our hope lies. That we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul, that we get to serve our Savior. We get to experience the victory that he died to give us. And maybe we walked in here and we thought everything is crashing around us and we thought that Satan had finally got the upper hand, but I wanna tell you, he never will. So as we are in this moment and we are worshiping and entering into the presence of God, I just want us to be reminded of where our hope is and the anchor that we have that is in Christ, who has gone before us, won the victory, won the war, and allows us to experience it now. And in this moment, guys, as we get ready to worship, I just want us to just be in his presence. Thank him and worship the way that we know how. So if you'll stand and worship with us, please.
All right, well, I'm so thankful to be in the Lord's house today. How about you, right? Wherever you are, I want you to know, Jesus says where two or three are gathered, he is there also. So wherever you're listening throughout the week, I want you to know he is there. And he is our hope. He is our salvation. And I'm so thankful that he is our anchor and that no matter what storm comes our way, we get to hold to him. And so in this moment, we're about to pray. I just want to say one more time, thank you. Hey, maybe you need to talk to somebody today. Maybe maybe you're just saying, hey, I, I hear all this and I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but I'm just, I'm just in a season where I just feel defeated. If you need to talk to someone today, will you Will you reach out at prayer at thevine.tv if you're listening? If you're in the house right now, please, we would love to see you after the service. We would love to pray with you and walk with you through that in our care room. We would just love to spend time with you and walk with you in this season. So let's pray, and then we're going to go have an awesome week. Jesus, thank you once again that we get to be here in your presence. We've done nothing to earn this. We've done nothing to deserve this, but because of your great love for us and because of your grace, we get to experience the victory the victory that you died to give us. So Jesus, in this moment, in this season that we're in, I pray that we would look to you. We would not be caught in the trap that Satan tries to set, trying to deceive us, trying to destroy us, and trying to divide us from being all that you created us to be and in being in a relationship with you. But instead, Jesus, we would look to the cross. We would look to you, that we would, we would be full of the Spirit, that we would put on the full armor of God, and every day we go on the battle, know that we are not going through it and in it alone. We thank you for that, Jesus. I pray for those who can't be here today, for those who haven't been able to be here, Jesus. I pray that you would move in their hearts, God, and that you would bring them back here safely next week. I pray for our leaders in our nation. I pray for the leaders locally. I pray for our teachers, our students. I pray for each and every person, Jesus, that's here and not here, even, even on those that are on our Sower's Prayer Board. Jesus, I just lift up all of these requests to you because no matter what we walk through, you are working it out for our good and your glory. So I pray as we lift those up to you that we would experience the peace and joy that only you can bring. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Come hang out with us next week as we wrap up Supernatural and talk about the Holy Spirit. And remember, the best is still yet to come.